a reading from what if it's wonderful, (laughs) release your fears, choose joy and find the courage to celebrate. This is from page six. There are many faces of self-preservation when life feels unsafe, behaviors we use as a shield to protect ourselves from pain. You might blame someone else, thinking of all the ways the other person could be different so that you might feel okay. You could anesthetize your pain by binging on pleasures that numb but do not satisfy, such as television, food, or online shopping only to confront the same pain when the credits roll, the plate is scraped clear, or the bill comes. Or maybe you cope with your pain by becoming your own merciless critic, refusing to see, let alone name, anything good in yourself. For me, when life begins to feel perilous, I mostly rely on control to keep the plate spinning. I imagine the worst possible outcome for an event and decide that this tragic scenario is actually my reality. In my profession, we call that catastrophizing. I do this in hopes that no pain will surprise me. The problem here, of course, is that I not only anticipate the worst case scenario, I live it in my mind. Some might even say that I choose it. This refusal of hope joy and celebration may not sound like control as we typically define it, but that's what it is. Managing my emotions and becoming invulnerable to life and all its gorgeously vibrant emotion in the process. Other voices like God's word and the kind encouragement from people who love me try to assuage my fears, inject hope into my heart, and allow me to borrow the courage I need to celebrate the joy in my life. I experience the truth as a balm for my fear-sick soul as I hear it in the moment. But the unfortunate fact is that the voice we hear the loudest and most often is the voice inside our own heads, which means that kind words from the outside remain just that, sweet sentiments, that are easy for me to dismiss. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal Grab a cup of something delicious and start your heartlifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. I am excited. I know I always am. I know. And I was just saying how I needed to take a minute and gather myself because I'm smiling so hard already. Oh, we have with us today Nicole Zazowski. And today is the launch day of her new book, and it is called, are you ready for this? What if it's wonderful? What if it's wonderful? I just love this. Welcome. Welcome, Nicole. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Oh my goodness. What if it's wonderful? The subtitle is release your fears, choose joy, 
and find the courage to celebrate. What a mouthful. <laughs> so as an author, I, I say this all the time, heartlifters, just stay with me. I know how critical a title is. Mm-hmm. And I know how critical the subtitle is. And I know all the selection of the words that go into it. And you're just hoping and praying that the words will bounce off the book and right into the heart of someone who needs it. And so where did that question, what if it's wonderful? Just right from the get-go. What if it's wonderful? What is that? Yes. Where did that come from you? Yes. Yeah, so I was sitting uh, in my friend's kitchen um, and the the story is actually tucked inside the book. If you want Mm -hmm. more details, but I was sitting in my friend's kitchen and it, it had been a hard season. Um, Mm. and I was sitting at her kitchen countertop and we were just talking through all of my, what if questions and they Uh. were, um, you know, what if, what if I fail? What if I'm, what if I hope and I'm disappointed? What if I, um, try to connect and I'm rejected, you know, all of those, uh, fears that we tend to carry into a season of what if, um, and I know listeners can fill in the blank of their own. What if questions more than one? Um, Yes, exactly. And mine, mine to be fair was mostly around what if I hope and I'm disappointed. I was really wrestling Mm. with what's the point of holding an expectant heart. What is the point of dreaming? Um, isn't it easier just to practice the worst case scenario and practice disappointment and rehearse disaster? And wow. she, she was patient with me and she was uh, <laughs> sitting with me in my place of hurt, like a good friend does. Mm. Um, and I had sat in her kitchen many times before. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure why I hadn't noticed this cute little wooden sign she no. has above her window. And it said, what if it's actually going to be okay? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna cry. And it just interrupted my feelings of doubt and, and my negative questions. It was just such a beautiful interruption and I echoed mm. that question out loud um, as because it just stunned me reading it. And then she mm. turned to me and said, oh, sweetie, what if it's wonderful? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It's the best. And, yeah. So I it became a question that I held in my pocket mm. um, to interrupt that catastrophic thinking that I mm-hmm. so often rely on to try and protect myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, you know, how book title conversations go. Sometimes you have a working title yeah, and then it changes right before oh, yes. you finish and <laughs> you know, the publisher sort of decides, and this came to us pretty early. It, it wasn't in the first batch, but I kept coming back to it as, this is the question that I use in my daily life and my publisher loved it. I'm so happy they did. Yes. And so (laughs) that's been a favorite element, I think for readers, um, because Mm -hmm. I, I do think we all have what if questions and most of those are filled in negatively. (laughs) They are depending on what if I fail and what if I disappointed and what if I'm rejected and all these things. So Mm -hmm. to have one that, um, turns our heart toward hope and, uh, cultivates joy and an expectant heart, even in the midst of a season of suffering, um, because this book truly is for both. It's 
Mm-hmm. One of the things I wanted to do is to broaden our definition of celebration. Good. Um, that's what I loved about it, actually. Oh, and that's good. why I love you sitting here and I have just Aww. a million questions just, mm-hmm. you know, spinning in my mind about that. To yeah. have a broadened understanding of suffering. Yeah. You know, I don't think that it has been taught to its fullest extent. So I'm so glad your voice is here on International Women's Day. Yes. <laughs> this is when we're taping it. And yes. I'm so, so that excited. we can hear what you have to say so that we can understand. Before we got started, I said to you that um, one of the, I think personally, one of the greatest challenges in my own life and then in my practice, I have a trauma-informed practice. So it is a little unusual. I do see you're a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so I know that you understand the hard stories of life that people bring to you mm-hmm. and um, they're not typically going to come to me if they're, if they're in a good place, you know? <laughs> so, um, it's a bit one-sided, mm-hmm. uh, but hopefully we can get them to a good place. But I have found the greatest challenge is to be happy. Yeah especially if you've had a childhood trauma informed upbringing or perhaps had some traumatization happen to you, or just in this painful life we live in, Mm -hmm. you know, is that related to your topic? Like, that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, what if it's wonderful to me is like, I, I think of that title all the time. Like it's really hard to be happy. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a little too blunt for a title. But when I saw (laughs) yours, I was like, what if it's wonderful? Mm-hmm. Like it reframes it and, and it just, you can't say it. What if it's wonderful? You can't say wonderful without some emotive, like mm-hmm. hope inducing motive, you know? Yeah. So would you say that's related? What's your take on that? Yeah. So when we think of joy, what most of us don't realize is it's actually the most vulnerable feeling to feel. Because when you, when you hold on to something, it automatically is accompanied with the possibility of loss or disappointment because you're entering into that experience. So, you know, we often say, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's this, there, there's this suspicion of joy. Um, when Mm. we, when we enter into a season of good news or a moment of breakthrough, we, we have this um, narrative that a lot of us carry around of this is too good to be true or maybe a spiritual distortion around I've had it good for a long time. When is God going to balance it out with something hard? (laughs) Oh, that's all I've heard. Every one of those I've said every one of those. Yeah. And so you know, when you've gone through something really painful, whether it's a season or a crisis or, you know, a moment, a loss, a betrayal, whatever it is, there's the loss itself. There's the thing itself. And then there's the cost. And the cost is the impact to our identity and our sense of safety. Okay. Speak up. Just we like to, we love to say here in this community, Nicole, and they're they're already anticipating me going. Lean in here. Oh, this is good. a teaching moment. This is what we I, want to take away. If you could repeat that, and if you could expound upon that a bit, yes. sure. So there's the loss itself. There's yeah. the painful event, and often we stop there. Mm-hmm. We think the hurt is the event itself. And while that is the trigger and, and pain quickly follows 
that event, what, what's more helpful to ask ourselves is how did this thing, this event or relationship rupture, whatever it is, mm-hmm. make me feel about myself? That's yeah. the identity piece. Mm-hmm. Or make me feel about my situation or the relationship. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, you the said a sense piece. of safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is that and secure attachment we talk so much about in this community. Yes, exactly. Right. All that great attachment research is mm-hmm. would be on that that safety side. And so um what it took me a really long time to realize because this season was actually or this book was actually born out of a season of pain and change mm-hmm. and loss. Mm-hmm. Um was that one of the biggest costs for me was that joy was accompanied by a lot of fear that um, I was, I was mm. sad and grieved really when I realized, of course there was the loss itself, but a lot of the loss I was experiencing was my refusal to embrace joy. Um, what did that look and, like? Um, can you share? And you do not have to at all. <laughs> Um, share a, a, a picture of that suffering. Like what was that and how, what, how yeah. did you refuse that? Joy? Yes. And okay. if, if you're interested, I'm happy to share. So interested. And if you're interested, um, that's, that story is outlined in my first book from lost to found. Perfect. Um, okay. If you want, if you're listening and want to hear more. Oh, I think um, they're hand in hand. I mean, the journey, yeah. um, what you're referring to, Nicole, is your first book from Lost to Found. And the subtitle is what got me. Yeah. Giving yeah. up what you think you want for what will set you free. Yes. And I told you before we came on, I'm, I was so tempted because that's where I'm sitting right now in my own mm-hmm. personal life is giving up what I think I want for what will actually set you free. So I think these books are so intertwined. They are. That you can't <laughs> just buy very- one. I have both. I got them both on Kindle, oh, you know, you. Um, and I encourage everyone to do that because I think I, I'm going back and forth, you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of been cool. Um, so, yeah, if you could just share a little bit of what, yeah. what that actually yeah. means. So it was a season that started with a move across the country that came as a big surprise. Oh boy. Yikes. <laughs> uh, I was very settled in my life in California. Oh, and California. I know. I was born there. Oh, it's such a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I describe my life there as comfortable, not in the sense that it was luxurious mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or opulent in any way, but um you know, I've learned that sometimes the enemy works through attacking in, in a mm-hmm. really obvious way, but often, at least in my life, mm-hmm. um, his work has looked like more like making me comfortable without Christ. Yeah. Oh, and that is mm. the perfect description of what my life in California was, although I didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, I had a a strong faith and Mm -hmm. I had a love for Jesus, but I didn't realize that my identity and security were more invested in my hard work, my accomplishments, Mm. pleasing other people, my own performance. And when I left, (laughs) when I left quite suddenly, um, for my husband's job, I couldn't take those things with me. And I realized 
that my sense of self was attached and invested in all the wrong things and it crumbled. And, Mm -hmm. but what that gave me was an opportunity to rebuild, um, on a firmer foundation. And it gave me empty hands to receive Christ in a way that I had not before. Mm -hmm. Um, that take a while. Oh, a really long time. I'm not okay, sure. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we're still going okay. on that journey. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> kind of a lifetime journey, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 12 years later, I think we're yeah. still. Uh, oh, 12 working. years it's been. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Um, and then, but little did I realize that that was just the beginning of that season. My, my husband and I uh, suffered through five miscarriages oh, in dear. so many years. Oh boy. Wow. So you didn't have any children at that point when you moved across the country? No, we did not. We were really young, had only been married a year. Okay. Um, And in the process discovered a diagnosis that there was no cure for, but would make it more likely for me to miscarry a pregnancy than not. Okay. Just that when I've just gone through that with my daughter-in-law, actually mm, the last six years, Oh, I'm so but they just, Goodness. Okay. They're right at 10 weeks from their second um, transplant. So we're we're just okay. hoping and praying, but that is agony. It is. It agony. Is. So thank you for opening up your heart. And because yeah. I know that your story is definitely going to heart lift someone who is mm. in the agony of that. Yes. So you're moving across country from all the comforts. Little baby eagles are being pushed out. <laughs> Yes. I know. I love how the mama eagle gets the babies out of the nest. And I yes. think God does the same. He just takes away everything that's comfortable. Yes. And that ended up for mm. obvious reasons being the best thing that could ever happen to me. Um, wow. But it was really painful. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, that chronic loss and. Yeah. Five years and five, was it five years, five miscarriages? Yes. About? And then periods of not getting pregnant at all mixed in there and, you know, failed, um, fertility treatments Mm. and just a lot of different losses from different angles in the Mm -hmm. fertility conversations. Tough. It was, it Mm -hmm. was. And so So I get the, I mean, you're a trauma informed therapist. Mm -hmm. There was a trauma to an exam chair for me and. Oh, without a doubt. I got chills. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, TikTok, TikTok of the clock. Mm-hmm. Been there. Yes, I can feel yep. it. It's rising yep. in me. I'm feeling yes, very. You, you understand. <laughs> I so, do. So yeah, as I, you know, I don't think our seasons are ever all pain and all joy, but mm-hmm. we did start experiencing some breakthrough. Uh, we now have three children. You have three. Oh. <laughs> By God's grace. Thank God. Oh my goodness. All by natural birth or some brought to you by other ways? Yes. God worked through uh, the miracle of IVF for the first, um, for our first son. And then I had several, that was not working. um, Mm. And I had several failed treatments and was at my lowest spot. Um, sitting in my fertility doctor's office. And he told me like, there's nothing more I can do for you. I don't know what to do. And I didn't know that I was pregnant with my second son at at that time. time. Yeah. Oh, Nicole, oh my goodness. It was such a a delightful surprise. That was Charlie. And then Charlie, love it. 
and Love he it. is determined as ever. So uh, yeah, he's here, baby. Mm-hmm. How old is he? He is uh, not just shy of two and a half. Oh, he's a wee one. And how old's yeah. your oldest? Six. Oh my, you have three yeah. under six and you're sitting here with me. Yes. And so my second two are 14 months apart. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So my daughter, I always what? thought, you know, our story, we're just going to have miscarriages in between yeah. um, mm-hmm. our kids. And so we, we gave up uh, the notion that we were going to plan anything. Um, yeah, absolutely. So- we yes. were, we were taken, we were very aware of our lack of control. <laughs> um, and, and that was a gift too, honestly. Um, How about that? Wow. To, to release our grip on our own control and plans was a beautiful thing, but my daughter was healthy. Um, oh, praise be to God. In yeah. So three, she, not three babies. Yeah. So she is uh, just over one. Oh gosh, I am so honored that you're sitting here. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. No, it's fun to talk with you. So, but as I was, as we were entering this season and and with other joys too, just feeling more settled in our community and mm. some fun work things uh, for both my husband and I, mm-hmm. um, I was so hesitant to embrace that joy and connect fully with it. Not so much connect with my kids. I'm really, really grateful that God yes. Glad to, yeah. allowed me to, yeah. to bond there. But um, it was really, really tough to not rehearse disaster um, and prepare emotionally for the worst case scenario, which the research says doesn't work. <laughs> it does. When, and I wonder if I can, are you aware, um, you're going to say, are you aware of the Enneagram? I don't oh, yes. know many therapists yes. who are not. Um, what is your number? Do you know? Well, this is my constant debate. I, <laughs> <laughs> I bet your type does something. <laughs> yes. So I, I believe I am a two with a very strong three wing, but it's okay. quite possible that I am a three with a very strong two wing. Okay. No six um, in there at all, which is very curious. So most people look at yeah. my cover yep. and they think I'm a seven and then they read. The oh, yes. I, yes. <laughs> I like to yeah. say, cause I'm a two strong three wing, but I've done so much work. Um, anyway, that I, I, I now can be operating as a healthy four, but my second book overcoming hurtful words was my whole, his, it's my whole story of, mm. of healing the shadows of my two sides. So now okay. I just laugh because I knew nothing about the Enneagram at that point, but now I'm yeah. like, if you want to heal as an Enneagram two and find out your shadows, just read my second book because now I'm like, whoa, that probably was just a research project for me. I'm not sure. That yeah. Well, it sounds like I need to check that out. <laughs> it's so true though. I was like, wow, all those shadows. Okay. So the worst case scenarios that is that, would you say though, that you are typically, okay. I I'm, I'm leading to something with this because I'm so intrigued by chapter four. Okay. Protective pessimism. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. I know that I know this is going to resonate with so many of my clients. <laughs> they know who they are. Yes. Can you describe for me? Cause I think it's probably related to what you're talking about. Yeah. What on earth is protective pessimism? Is it something you made up yourself? Is it a true diagnosis? Inform <laughs> us all. I need to know. I need to know. 
So as a therapist, I practice a model called restoration therapy. And we would say that when you feel emotional pain, either about your identity or your sense of safety, Hmm. we tend to protect ourselves in one, two, three, or four, all four of four ways. Okay. Um, Blame, Mm -hmm. getting really angry. Sarcastic, everything Mm -hmm. is everyone else's fault. Um, Shame, Mm. uh, beating ourselves up. Oh, we talk a lot about that here. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that Um, way you have a whole chapter on that as well. Yes, exactly. Because that's related to the conversation. And then control, Uh, lots of faces of control. This is a tricky one because in American culture, a lot of those things are really celebrated. Um, mm-hmm. So performance, perfectionism, micromanaging. Yeah, I'll raise my hand here. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, Lots of type threeness there, people. Enneagram type threeness, but yep. also the twos, right? Just for our yep. Enneagram informed listeners, right? Yep, achievement oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and then escape. And again, lots of mm-hmm. faces of escape, but anything we might use to numb out check out emotionally and mentally. And so pessimism in this context is really falls in that control bucket. It's a way of becoming, trying to become invulnerable to um, that disappointment and that hurt. If I can just anticipate and practice all of those worst case scenarios, then I, it won't hurt that bad when I fall. I also, with my clients, I, I sometimes use the image of flying low, <laughs> like, like yes. if you just stay low to the ground, right? The ground's fall, not so far away. You won't fall so far. So the research says though, that this is actually completely ineffective, that we do not protect ourselves from mm. that disappointment or devastation by anticipating it, wow. but because our eyes are cast down looking for the worst case scenario and hyper vigilant for that pain that must yeah. be just around the corner, we do miss out on a lot of delight and good things that are happening in our mm-hmm. lives. It protects uh. ourselves from the good stuff. Oh, Heartlifters, I know I hate to stop too, but we must. But stay tuned for next week's part two because it is even better. Nicole's words are so powerful and I have a lot to meditate on from this conversation. I want to read from page 27 in her book. One of the reasons we are hesitant to celebrate, of course, is that we feel we are not worthy of celebration. Shame prevents us from celebrating grace. We are stalwart in our belief that celebration must only come in the form of a reward. If you accomplish the goal or if you participated in the effort, then and only then do you get to celebrate. We've allowed the voice of shame to become louder than the message of the cross. The message of freely given grace because we are committed to earning the right to celebrate. Here we are, the closing days of our Easter pilgrimage. And so I think it's very appropriate that we take time as we're moving towards our Easter hallelujah 
to consider those words again. I'll read them again. We have allowed the voice of shame to become louder than the message of the cross, the message of freely given grace, because we are committed to earning the right to celebrate. She writes, hmm. Shame also places a filter on input from the outside, readily accepting negative messages without question and rejecting affirmation. Our brains are little help to us here. Neuroscientist Rick Hansen says that our minds are Velcro for negative information and Teflon for positive information. Professor Roy E. Baumeister confirmed that positive feelings are weaker and more fleeting than negative emotions which tend to linger and be stronger. For instance, painful messages that we are alone, inadequate, and worthless will loiter longer in our brains than the truth that we are valuable, prized, and full of worth. Okay, so I'm going to close this out there with our beautiful heartlifting mandate mantra. This week, as you are making your way through, as you're listening and re-listening and probably taking notes, because I did, I took so many notes in my own conversation with Nicole, please speak healing words to yourself. Send new, positive, life-giving messages that Christ, (laughs) that Christ actually means for you to hear. I have value, worth, and dignity. Christ went to the cross, my dear heartlifter, so that you would understand and possess that beautiful truth. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.